0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Voice of Prophecy's brand new radio program, Disclosure. The Voice of Prophecy is a program that's been on the air now continuously since 1929. And originally it was recorded in an old chicken coop of all places. This show first went on the air on KNX Radio in Los Angeles as the Tabernacle of the Air, and the rest is all history. My name is Sean Boonstra. I'll be your host for the next, oh, however many minutes we'll be together. And today I'm broadcasting from our brand new little studio in beautiful downtown Loveland, Colorado. After 85 years in California, the Voice of Prophecy has just picked up and moved to the lovely state of Colorado which also happens to be the place where HMS Richards, the founder of the Voice of Prophecy, actually spent his childhood. In fact... When I walk to work in the morning, I pass the very spot where HMS Richards was baptized as a boy. And I know that he started his preaching ministry right here in the surrounding hills, the foothills, the eastern foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Now, today in studio, I'm joined by the very lovely, very talented Jean Boonstra, a woman who also happens to be my wife of many, many, many decades. And uh, well, it's only too
1: many minis. Too many
0: minis. All right, there were really more than two decades. And actually, that's something else that I'm enjoying about this new broadcast. You and I get to work together. We get to sit in a room together. So not only do we have to share the house together, you have to put up with me at work and in the studio as well.
1: It is a burden I am willing to bear. And that's kind, right? But but there is one. There is
0: one rule. Mm -hmm. Whenever we're on the air, you have to say I'm right.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, (laughs) see, I'm right about that too. All right, also in studio with me today is Pastor Chris Holland, the speaker for a very special ministry, one that's close to my heart. It's It Is Written Canada, and I guess, Chris, the reason I love your ministry is because once upon a time, way back in the olden days, I actually worked at It Is Written Canada, so I'm fond of it, and I'm fond of you, and I'm glad you're here with us in studio.
2: You know, I'm glad to be here, and... Sean, we enjoy finding things in the office, pictures of you and Gene when you were leading that ministry, when you were 12 and 13 years old, and uh, <laughs> sending those pictures out to you. We uh, we have quite a bit of fun with that. There's really, there are still pictures of me in the drawers up there? There are. There's pictures in the drawers, and I'm what? waiting. We're about to do a, a construction project, and we're going to break down some walls, and so I'm anxious to, <laughs> to see, see what's what in kind the walls. of things. You'll find my
0: unpaid parking <laughs> tickets in there. I just kind of shoved them in the wall. Oh. That's wonderful. That,
1: that was a special. Time for us, though, living up there and working for it is written Canada. So yeah, it does feel like a lifetime ago almost. Yeah,
2: <laughs> how
0: are you enjoying those Canadian winters, though, Chris?
2: You know, I was I was telling some of the folks here at VOP when I arrived that you all actually have winter here. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody thinks when you move to Canada that the entirety of Canada is uh, the Arctic. That's right. In reality, uh, where we live, just out uh, and where our ministry is located, right outside of Toronto, we get very little snow, actually, uh, you know, an average winter. And so it was nice to come down here to Loveland and see some real snow and some real winter.
0: So (laughs) as we're sitting in here, there happened to be a freak snowstorm outside. And in Colorado, you can get a winter storm 12 months of the year, it turns out. You could Mm -hmm. get two feet of snow in July and have 80 degrees in January. So Hey, well, I'm glad you're here. Chris, I am excited because I know that when you're in studio, we all have open Bibles out on the desk here, and uh, the listeners are going to hear a lot of pages crinkling because we love going through the Bible. I know
2: that's the basis for It Is Written Canada. What's the sign-off phrase that you use in that program? It's, uh, it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how the name of the program was born. So we've got open Bibles, and I think what I wanted
0: to talk to you about a little bit today, Chris, and I know it's a burden on your heart, are some of the things that are going on. I think a lot of people are watching the news and watching current culture, watching world events, And uh, wondering, is it business as usual? Where's the planet heading? What's the future look like? And so you're going to be our prognosticator today, and we're going to talk about the future, maybe where the world is headed. Tell me what you're seeing as people are watching uh, world events unfold right now.
2: You know, it's a fascinating thing, Sean, as you see what's happening uh, both in the U.S. and in Canada and around the world, but just the political environment that exists it seems that with any political discussion, you can only find about 50 percent of the people that agree with one and 50. You know, it is a world that is divided. Recently in Canada, we had elections that saw a massive change in the government and, uh, and a massive turnover of people who are just unhappy with what's happening.
0: Now, I've often found that one thing that is a clear signal that human government ultimately doesn't work well is that it doesn't matter who you put in power. Eventually, they're going to be thrown back out and they'll elect somebody else
2: absolutely and it's and the fascinating thing about all of this is is here in the US and Canada we we find that the political environment while very aggressive and very uh you know nobody can agree with anything and all of these different things you go around the world and it's not as civil shall we say as bad television ads and different things like that you have people killing each other you have tremendous amounts of wars that many of us actually don't even hear about in the headlines little uh, little scuffles, as we might call them, in various locations. And there are many people around the world that just wonder, what can happen next? Well, yeah, I,
0: I think that's true. You look at some of the things that are unfolding. We're watching millions of people flee Syria, moving into Europe, and there are people telling stories about that in one direction or the other. We saw a, an attack in Paris in in fairly recent history where, uh, horrific, uh, you know, a shooting that cost a lot of lives, um, trickled over here into the U.S. in San Bernardino. We watched that happen. What are your thoughts on what's happening? Because it, you know, a lot of people are saying, man, the whole world's coming unglued. The, the yarn is being unwound, and and nobody's in control. Where's this heading? It, we're on the, I look at the movie posters. It's so many post-apocalyptic-type movies coming out. It's like everybody's thinking there's a catastrophe on the horizon.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and it's yeah, there's a movie that just came out recently called The Martian, I think is what it's called, and it's about the development of a society on Mars because people are looking for an escape. Here's the amazing thing, Sean. I can think of somebody I'd like to send to Mars. That would be a good Only one? <laughs> yeah, just one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, 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 that's okay. You know, in fact, I, just as a side note, you know, you all made this introduction and Jesus, is going to be doing these shows with you. Kind of made me feel like that guy who you go with somebody on a date. But uh, you're going on somebody else's date. There are two of them, and one of you, you're kind of the third wheel. So, But I don't feel like a third wheel. But well, I happen goes, to know yeah. your wife is in the
0: other room. you not all alone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Martian, people escaping this world.
2: So people are looking for a way out. There. People are looking for hope. People are looking for an answer. What's going to happen next? Now, here's the amazing thing. The Bible seems to indicate that there is a very clear plan. Now, as soon as we say the Bible, and I know there are a number of people listening to this show who believe the Bible, but there may be somebody who's scratched across that dial or tuned in or is on the internet listening saying, well, why should I even believe the Bible? Yeah, exactly. Now, it's very interesting. God actually said something in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. time to start the Bible pages going. Isaiah? 46, verses 9 and 10. Okay. Here in Isaiah, God says these things. He says, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. It is the boldest statement in the entirety of the Bible because God says in the context of a society where there were multiple empires, multiple people groups, worshiping all kinds of things, God declares, I'm the one and the only one. But then he says why we should believe that. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, which we might term as prophecy. Right. Mm-hmm. God is able to declare what's going to happen before it happens, that when it's fulfilled, we can look at it and say, God can be trusted and the Bible, his word can be trusted. I'm reminded of a statement Jesus made. I, I'm i hoping it's in John's gospel. Sometimes I'm a
0: little like the apostle Paul saying, somewhere it is written. I you notice know. he writes that in his letters. Yeah. But Jesus once said, I tell you these things now. So that when it comes to pass, you'll know that I am he. Yes. And so uh, many people look at prophecy as a crystal ball, but really God
2: says, watch, I'm going to tell you what's coming. And when it happens, you'll know that I am God. Absolutely. And and so for the, for the listener who has just kind of come upon this show saying, oh, you know, I'm not even sure I want to listen to this. I would encourage you because we're about to unfold. And I'll just tell you from my own personal journey, we're about to unfold a prophecy that has So foundational and so profound that the first time I heard it, I said, there's got to be something with the Bible. The Bible can't just simply be a collection of ancient literature that we should look upon as a good literary source, but rather a source of dependable authority.
0: So you're really describing something that you couldn't explain. If, if if a collection of human beings trying to develop a religion wrote this book, it doesn't explain what you ran across.
2: Absolutely. In fact, when we look at most of society and the evaluation of different things, when we look around, most people evaluate based on probability. What's the probability that this could be true, this could be false? When we look at some of the things we look at today, the probability of this being simply accidental is so minute that to not believe that it, was, it, it is what it says it is would actually be very foolish not to believe it. So really we're testing God's claim. I am God, there is no other. I am God,
0: there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. God's basically challenging us. Watch. Why don't you look at the evidence and see if I'm not there?
2: Absolutely. And here's the fascinating thing, Sean. It is the only religious book that actually invites the inquirer to test and see that it is true rather well, than simply declaring it pay, r- pay attention dictating it. Yep. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah instead of just dictating or declaring mm-hmm. it god mm-hmm. is saying okay i'm god but i want you to come and test me and see that this is true and so here we we I'm going to I'm going to suggest we would go to the book of Daniel, okay? And I'm going to turn over there. We're a couple of minutes from a break, but let's get started. Book of Daniel. And as we go to the book of Daniel, probably just to get a little bit of history and a little understanding and context as we go there to chapter 2, it would be I think good to understand who is Daniel, what's happening in Daniel's time. That'll lead us right into this prophecy. All right,
0: let's set the table, and then we'll have a quick break and uh, and come back. But go ahead, let's get started.
2: So, Book of Daniel, Middle East, in what would be modern-day Iraq and Iran, you have Nebuchadnezzar, who at the time is not a king. He is the general of an emerging army, the Babylonian Empire. Okay. Headed to Jerusalem, 605 BC. He has just had a major conquest at the Battle of Carchemish, where Nebuchadnezzar has totally decimated the Egyptians now he comes into jerusalem the prize and there in jerusalem he takes all of the 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 uh, artifacts all of the uh, the different things in the sanctuary and then he takes the cream of the crop of the people of 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 jerusalem and amongst those is this Young man, Daniel. Now, there, there's something
0: fascinating about this, is that the people in Jerusalem were not caught entirely by surprise. No. Because God had already sent prophetic word to Israel saying, there's a lion coming from the north. It, it, because of your sins, I'm going to let this happen for your own good. Nebuchadnezzar is coming. I don't recall. I think Jeremiah even says it'll be Nebuchadnezzar that comes. Yes. And, and so, you know, what we're looking at is a story that was testing the belief or the reliability of God back in those days, and it still spills into our day. Now, we are up against our first break, and I'm excited about what the listeners are about to hear because uh, when we come back from the break, Chris will be leading us in a study of Daniel 2. It really is a breathtaking Bible prophecy, one that changed my mind about a lot of things. Um, but I want to give our listeners an opportunity to study a little deeper for themselves. You're going to want to pay attention to what you hear in this break. This is an offer from the Voice of Prophecy you really don't want to miss. It's uh, one of our... Uh, Bible school uh, opportunities that uh, doesn't cost you anything other than to respond to us and let us know you'd like to take part. So we're going to take a few minutes off. I want you to listen to this and we'll be right back with Chris Holland and a study of Daniel 2 which will enable you and I together to test whether or not the claims that God makes in this book are entirely true. We'll be right back after this.
1: Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888 888- 456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.
0: we are back from the break. I'm sitting down with my wife, Jean, and Chris Holland, the Speaker Director for It Is Written Canada. And just before the break, Chris, we were about to dive into one of the most spectacular prophecies in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar has invaded the city of Jerusalem, taken some really premier young people captive. We took a lot of people captive, but Daniel is among those captives. And you were about to give me a Bible study on Daniel chapter
2: 2. Absolutely. So let's jump into Daniel 2. And as we jump into Daniel 2... It is very important to understand in Babylonian religion, dreams were important. Sure. Mm -hmm. Dreams weren't simply the product of eating some jalapenos or pizza (laughs) late at night. But dreams were very important because it predicted for them the future and it predicted things about the kingdom. And so Daniel chapter two, verse one speaks volumes and it says, now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his
0: sleep left him. I've had a few dreams like that.
2: Yes. So for the listener, envision that dream that you wake up and it's brought you to that cold sweat or whatever it is. This is what happens with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, but now he's got a big problem. He can't remember the dream. Mm. And for the listener, you can go to Daniel 2 and read the whole thing. We're not going to take time to read the whole thing. Nebuchadnezzar invites the mystics of the realm to come in and tell him what this means. Astrologers, sorcerers, soothsayers, the whole nine yards, come in and tell me what the dream is, what it means. So it's the psychic.com of his day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they can't come up with an interpretation. They actually try to barter with the king. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, what's very interesting, and we don't talk about this a lot, is part of that group is the Chaldeans. And the Chaldeans were almost for lack of a better word, they were kind of a secret society in Babylon that kind of, they were the ones that were pulling the strings in the background. And the Chaldeans are part of this group that comes to talk to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is fascinating because we've got Hebrew captives
0: in Nebuchadnezzar's palace and Chaldeans getting called in, but the Hebrews themselves were the outgrowth of somebody who left Chaldea, Abraham. Yes. So there there are roots way back when, and there's a division of peoples. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. And so... The Chaldeans, along with the astrologers, say, oh, King, just tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. Well, I mean, that's like me telling you a dream and saying, well, I'll let me tell you what it means. Oh, yeah. I'd make uh-huh. something up for the right money. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's exactly what happens here.
1: Their hands are tied. They, they Without the dream, they can't work their magic like they normally do. No. Yeah.
2: There's nothing they can do. And so Nebuchadnezzar is so infuriated by this. That he says in verse five, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be, and Nebuchadnezzar was a very positive king, you shall be <laughs> cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap.
1: It's very specific, isn't it? Yeah. He, very specific.
2: Absolutely. And well, so you
1: know,
0: I've sometimes complained, my job's not challenging enough, but this is this would be more challenging.
2: It, Just a it, bit. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a life and death situation. I mean, so Nebuchadnezzar then sends out the army Mm -hmm. and they begin killing the, as a general category of people, the wise men of the kingdom. Well, Daniel and his three Hebrew friends who had gone through the University of Babylon were found to be 10 times uh, smarter than anyone else in the realm. They're part of this general group of the wise men. Right. So they come to Daniel's house, and they're ready to kill him, and, uh, and we pick the story up where when they arrive at Daniel's house, Daniel simply says, hey, hey, what's the hurry? What's going on here? Let me go to the king. Let me talk to the king. And so they give him that permission to go to the king, and he asks the king for permission to get time believing that the Hebrew God, the God of the Bible, right. will give the dream and the interpretation. Sometimes we lose sight in this powerful, powerful prophecy of the practical application of the spiritual journey of the individual Christian. Obviously, Daniel was a Jew. Right. right. That is, what a bold thing. Daniel is a foreigner going before his king that has conquered his region, asking for permission. And by the way, his asking for that permission saves not just himself, but it saves the rest of the wise men. People who didn't believe well, the same way as Daniel. What I
0: find interesting about that is that at one point, the wise men, the Chaldeans, are actually asking for a little bit of time, too. Somewhere back in here, um, mm-hmm. you know, Nebuchadnezzar complains, you're just trying to buy the time. It's in verse 8. I know for certain you would gain time. They're, they're stalling for time. Absolutely. And he smells a rat. He says, you guys are crooked. Daniel, who's a foreigner, comes in and asks for time, and he gets it.
2: Right. Verse 16. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. And here's the fascinating thing. Daniel doesn't go start rattling bones. He doesn't start drawing (laughs) in the sand. Right. The Bible says he goes and he prays. Yeah. And here's the amazing thing, and it is a point that should not be lost in this whole understanding of prophecy and the reality of God. Daniel prayed and God heard him. Daniel prays and there is an answer. And when Daniel prays, he prayed to God believing and knowing that God was real because he had this experience of Isaiah 46. He had the experience of Jeremiah knowing, and Jeremiah told him, hey, when the Babylonians come, don't fight against them. Fascinatingly, by the way, we Israel actually makes a, a an agreement with Egypt whom God had delivered them from so many thousands of years before. Amazing! It is an amazing thing that happens. And now... The Hebrews are given another chance. Daniel prays, and an amazing thing happens.
1: And, and what's always stood out to me about that, too, is he, he did it in that order. You know, he went to the king with that confidence, saying, give me time. I know I will get an answer. He doesn't tell them how at that point, And then he prays. Yes. He had that confidence already, yeah. which is wonderful.
0: So he comes back yeah. and uh, asks for the time. He gets
2: it. He prays. And uh, what happens? So... Verse 19 in a very simple verse says, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel prays and God answers. And the Bible says that God gave Daniel the dream Mm -hmm. and its interpretation. And then he thanks God for doing it. How often do we pray and ask God to do something in our lives? Yeah, forget to say thank you. And then we totally forget to say thank you. So Daniel now goes before the king. And he has the dream and the interpretation. Okay. Now, here is something, though, that I don't want us to miss in Daniel's prayer to God. In verse 21, and this speaks directly to your original question to me, speaking of God, Daniel says, and he changes the times and the seasons... Right. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So this is a declaration that somebody's driving. Mm-hmm. That Earth what happens on this planet isn't nearly
0: as random as some people would suspect.
2: That is the important point. And the important point is is that it almost says, you know, there, there's that, that song that we sing when we're little children. He's got the whole world in his hands. Right. In reality, there is truth beyond measure to that little song. Because what this says is God has the kingdoms of this earth, and he raises up kings, and he brings them down, and there is an end point, and Daniel is about to reveal to us where this end is driving to. Okay. So when we get into this, Daniel comes before the king, and he says to the king first, in uh, This is in verse 24. Yep. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. This is to the king's general. Mm-hmm. So Daniel not only saves his own people, not only himself, but he saves those who don't even agree with him uh, and actually later actually try to persecute Daniel. Uh, but then Daniel comes to the king, and the king says, Are you able to make known to me the dream? And in verse 27 Right. Daniel says this, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. Mm -hmm. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these.
1: So he doesn't even take personal credit. He immediately gives the credit and the praise to God. That's always struck me about this, this part of the story.
0: That verse, Chris, has, for me, what is the defining statement of that chapter. There's one phrase there, and you read it. There is
2: a God in heaven. That's a bold Mm -hmm. declaration. It is a bold declaration, and as Gene was pointing out, Daniel takes no credit for this. And we have to, and again, sometimes we skim over these things, and we don't look at the reality that Daniel is facing. Daniel is a foreigner. He is a captive. He is in this foreign land. And what do we do? What do we most often do when we're placed in political situations? We want to gain the most. That's right. And so Daniel could have taken all the credit. Daniel could have said, King, I have the interpretation, but here's what I need you to guarantee me. I need you to guarantee my safety, guarantee me a position. Daniel doesn't do any of that. No, that's true. He just makes this declaration and says, there is a God in heaven, and now I'm going to tell you what he said to me.
0: Now, I'd be on pins and needles. I'm Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, does he really know what I dreamt? Mm-hmm. I'd be a little creeped out if you could tell me what I dreamt, <laughs> Chris. Mm-hmm. I'd know something uh, is up that I can't explain.
1: Now, guys, I've always wondered, could Nebuchadnezzar actually not remember the dream, or was he testing them?
2: You know, this is a very interesting thing, Gene. There are actually things in the original language that lend itself to the idea that Nebuchadnezzar actually—he— uh, he, he kind of remembered but Mm -hmm. couldn't remember it all the way Mm. and so it's like one of those things where you need a reminder you know and i i don't know if this happens with uh with you and sean but when debbie and i are talking and then you lose your train of thought and then you say hey what was i saying and then we oh it never happens that doesn't happen (laughs) at
0: all in our house i remember everything
2: (laughs) sure no but i'll tell you what does happen sometimes
0: you wake up like in a night terror You've just had some kind of a nightmare, and you can't put all the pieces together. You know it was disturbing, but you don't really remember it. Yes. Or you have these dreams that stick with you all day long. I mean, yeah. I had one where my teeth were falling out. I don't know, have you ever had that one? My <laughs> teeth are falling out of my head, and I'm thinking, and all day long. I know it was just a dream, but I'm checking my teeth. It sticks with you. You don't yes. remember all the details except that your teeth came out of your yes. Head, you. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. So he's about to do something. He's declared there is a God in heaven, and um, he's about to reveal the dream. So we have just moments to go, which isn't fair, but uh, we're going to create a little bit of a cliffhanger here.
1: We can get started. Yeah, yes. let's get started. Yeah.
2: So verse 31, after he re- he he talks about God revealing, in verse 31, he gives him the interpretation. He says this. Okay. You, O king, were watching, and behold a great image. A statue. A statue. A great image whose splendor was excellent, and its form was awesome. And I can only imagine Nebuchadnezzar sitting on the edge of his seat saying, I remember... This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. Wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. The stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. All right. Here's what I'm going to do to our listening audience. It's not right.
0: Daniel has spoken the dream. We don't know if he's right quite yet at this point in the story, but this is a passage that would change your life if you really pay attention to it. But unfortunately, here's what's about to happen. In many markets, we're about to go off the air. That means you won't hear the end of this story, even though it could change your life, unless you go to VOP.com and look for the broadcast with Pastor Chris Holland. That's VOP.com. In some markets, we may continue right after the break, but if we're in one of those markets that's about to sign off, I'll wish you well. But come and see us at VOP.com because you do not want to miss the rest of this story, Daniel chapter 2, and how it impacts your life.
2: Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? The Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.
0: We are back from the break with VOP, or Voice of Prophecies Disclosure Program. I'm sitting down with the Speaker Director for It Is Written Canada, Pastor Chris Holland. And we are now in the second half of this program, and the most exciting half. In the first half, we met Daniel, a young captive in Babylon, who has been asked to come in front of the king and tell the king what he dreamt, And uh, what it means, without being told any details, and he has just declared the dream to the king. He's told him, here's what you dreamt, a great statue made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and clay, and, uh, and a stone that smashed the statue, and it broke into pieces. And that's where we left off, just before the break. And so I can't wait to find out, A, is Daniel right? And B, what in the world does it mean, and does it matter to me?
2: Pastor, Well, in addition to all of that, Sean, we started with the the understanding that this prophecy is going to help us to understand whether God is real and whether Bible can be trusted. Beyond that, and I know you have a lot of students of your Bible school, and you have a lot of students of your Focus on Prophecy school— Here's the phenomenal thing. Daniel 2 provides the foundation for the entirety of the book of Daniel. Absolutely. With Daniel 2, you'll understand Daniel 7, Daniel 8 and 9, Mm -hmm. Daniel 11 and 12. Correct. Beyond that, if you want to study the book of Revelation, you need to understand Daniel 2. This
0: is the groundwork for Revelation. Many people open a Bible, want to understand Revelation, and miss that point, that Daniel's the foundation for that, and you can't understand it unless you get into Daniel.
2: Yes, you and I both do prophecy series around the world And when we talk about revelation, I know you, uh, you, 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 revelation speaks peace. Yeah. Uh, My series is discoveries in revelation, but in order to get to the revelation part, you have have to to understand Daniel. Mm -hmm. You have to understand Daniel. All right. Well, help us build that foundation. So in verse 36, Daniel makes this declaration. This is the dream. Now we will tell you the interpretation of it before the King. And here it is in verse 37. He begins to unfold the interpretation You, O king, speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, are king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Goes on and on with this. And then he says in just before verse 39, you are this head of gold. So the statue had a golden head, and he just told the king, that's you. The head of gold is the kingdom of Babylon. Right. Now, here is is the amazing thing about that. He builds Nebuchadnezzar up. You are king of kings and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And the fascinating thing about this, and again, understanding the world context, Babylon, just previous to this, was a non-player in the world empire. The Assyrians were the dominant empire. The Egyptians were strengthening in the south. And then you had this little group of Babylonians that were picking off cities here and there, but were nothing to be, you know, they they, they were nothing to be uh, really amounted to. And then all of a sudden... Babylon comes on the scene, they wipe out the Assyrians, who were considered at the time to be one of the most vicious empires that uh, they ever were, existed. They were
0: cruel, they were vicious, and as a matter of fact, under Nebuchadnezzar's father, if I remember correctly, uh, the city of Babylon was just picked over all the time, and, and Nebuchadnezzar actually had to rebuild significant chunks of the city because of the Assyrian attacks. They were the underdogs.
2: And what a fitting symbol that being a head of gold is. When you go to ancient Babylon, the temple of Marduk was comprised of thousands of pounds of gold there in the temple. Wow. Uh, and so you have gold all over the city. It is, a, it is just an impressive description of Nebuchadnezzar being the fulfillment of the first part of the statue. And we'll notice as we look at the statue, and just to help people remember, the statue has a head of gold, chest and arms of silver midsection of bronze or brass, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. Right. What is very interesting is as we go through this, what we will see is diminishing value but But. increasing strength. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Iron is harder than gold but less valuable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Daniel does something that is so implausible that after he says to the king, you are this head of gold, He says, but after you shall rise another kingdom inferior to yours. That couldn't have been easy to say.
1: No, but but thankfully he added that inferior to yours. I think that probably gave him the strength (laughs) to make that statement.
2: But in history, as we look at history, the Babylonians did not last forever. No, right. Uh, The Babylonians fall and the Babylonians are conquered by what we would call the Medo-Persian Empire, that comes later in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 8, specifically names them as the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, here's the fascinating thing. In Daniel 8, Daniel identifies this empire as the Medo-Persians. He that... calls them out by name. Here's the fascinating thing. If you look at most history textbooks today, you won't find the phrase Medo-Persian. You'll simply find the phrase Persian Empire. Right. right. Well, why was that? Well, when the empire originally got together, the Medes were actually stronger than the Persians. Right. But then the Persians emerge, so much so that modern history books today just simply call just them... Just say Persian. The Persian Empire. Okay. The Medo-Persians conquer Babylon in a most unusual way. And we could spend a lot of time on this, yeah. but we don't have tons of time. Isaiah 45 predicts by name the general Cyrus, who would come into... Uh, into Babylon. And predicts him more
0: than a century before he's born by name.
2: More than a century before he's born by name, and actually predicts the manner in which he will get into Babylon. You have to remember, Babylon was considered an impregnable city. Most modern estimates place that Babylon had enough supplies within the city that the people of the city would never have to leave for 20 to 25 years and be able to survive and flourish. And the beauty of it was, the Euphrates River ran right through the center of the city. So you had an endless supply of water. Mm -hmm. Never run out of water. But then Cyrus comes along with the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire. Cyrus comes along. Cyrus has a favorite horse that is killed in battle, and it really makes him mad. And so he makes it, and he purposes in his heart uh, that he is going to take this city. And so he begins to build canals all along the Euphrates River, and as he builds these canals, it lowers the level of the Euphrates River. So he diverts the water away from the city, and now his soldiers begin walking up the riverbed that night, whoever in Babylon was in charge of lowering the gate into the waters of the Euphrates River did not lower the gate. Well, if you read Daniel five, they're all drunk that night. They're having yeah, a party. They're
1: partying, yeah.
2: Because the fascinating thing, yeah, Daniel five tells us the whole story. They're having a party while while and uh, Belteshazzar, who is the co-regent, his dad is out fighting the Medo-Persians, and they all have a party. Right. And the Medo-Persians walk in without a problem conquer babylon and so this inferior kingdom of silver takes over the world empire scene now so they they rise to dominance the persian empire
0: is a big deal for for the next oh you know roughly 200 years but i know for a fact just because you know i check the morning news we aren't living under persian domination today
2: no and in fact daniel then says then another third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. Fascinating thing. And again, all we have to do, and here's the amazing thing. We're looking at this. By the way, Daniel chapter 8, names by name, the Medo-Persian, names by name, then the next kingdom, which is the Greek, the the kingdom of Greece, led by Alexander the Great. And again, we read our history books and we see the Medo-Persians are during their entire reign going off into Macedonia, picking off little cities, raping their women, pillaging these places. And there in Macedonia is a man by the name of Philip of Macedon who has a little boy named Alex. And Alex is watching this happening during his entire life. Well, little Alex grows up to be Alexander the Great. Wow. And Alexander the Great goes into Persia and absolutely decimates the Persian Empire. Now,
0: again, I just want to underline that Daniel is calling all of these shots, because of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, centuries in advance. Mm -hmm.
2: Centuries in advance. I mean, we're talking, and we could spend time, we're not going to do it today, but if we go to Daniel chapter Mm 7, Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9, we get more and more detail. Here's the amazing thing. Alexander conquers the Persian Empire with armies most of the time, that were between a quarter, sometimes a tenth of the size of the armies of the Persian Empire. In fact, there's one story told where Darius and Alexander have this showdown. Their armies are across the river from one another. Darius knows that he outnumbers Alexander's army about four or five to one. And Alexander begins riding his horse along the shore of this river, getting all of his men into this stir and this flurry, and then they charge across the river. As they do that, Darius is so, for lack of a better word, wigged out about this, (laughs) that he turns and he runs, and the entire army turns and runs with him. I hadn't heard that one. Wow. Yeah. And so we have the Greek Empire out of this little simple village, really, and this little country of Macedon, rises this ruler, Alexander, and Alexander basically marches all the way from what is today Eastern Europe, all the way over to India, and conquers the known world in record time. Like four years.
0: Yes. On foot. On foot. It's astonishing. I know if you keep reading through the book of Daniel, it actually makes reference to the speed with which this this empire moves. But what I find fascinating, too, is that it's the kingdom of bronze. And as I read ancient historical records, I've come across phrases like this, the brazen armies of the Greeks, because yes. they were
2: actually known for implementing brass or bronze in their war implements. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, and here's the amazing thing, though. The Bible says there's another kingdom, a kingdom of the legs of iron that come after okay. this so brass or bronze kingdom. We've had kingdom.
0: Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, Daniel's gotten right, and we have an iron kingdom now.
2: Alexander, at 33 years of age, dies, not in battle, not in a great warrior squaring off. He dies because he can't control his own indulgences. And uh, there is a very uh, famous line that his generals come to him right before he's going to die. Who's going to rule the kingdom when you're gone? And then he simply says, let he who is strongest oh, Survival of the fittest. You so, guys yeah. fight it out. Yeah. The kingdom of Greece basically divides into four. And in the far west of that kingdom up rises this small group that eventually evolves and turns into the Roman Empire.
0: Now, that's the one we all know because it still kind of casts its shadow over much of the world. Well, all of these kingdoms have left an imprint on modern civilization. Yes. Rome, in particular, is the Iron Kingdom. We've got just a minute or so before the break. Let's set the stage to come back and discuss this, but this is
2: in verse 40. This is in verse Yes, In verse 40, the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything— And like iron that crushes, the kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. And folks, all we have to do is look at history and you look at what the Romans did. The Romans were pioneers basically on everything. They built roads Mm -hmm. and that's what they did. They crushed every kingdom that they came into contact with and essentially assimilated them into their culture uh, that they broke them down. So we've had... Babylon, we've had Medo-Persia, we've had the Greeks
0: under Alexander the Great, the Macedonians, and now the Iron Kingdom of Rome that absolutely trampled the whole nation and, uh, and moved quickly. We're going to take a little break to talk about the Discover Bible School, but when we come back I want you to finish this prophecy because so far it's covered a lot of territory Very astonishingly, Daniel's just covered centuries and centuries of history in advance. It's been 2,500 years. He's been absolutely right so far. And there are still a few surprises left in Daniel chapter 2. So we'll take a quick break. I want you to get a pen and paper and write down this amazing offer from the Voice of Prophecy. And then we will be right back with Pastor Chris Holland of It Is Written Canada and the rest of Daniel chapter 2.
1: Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Answers to help you make sense of the chaos in today's world? And answers to help you make sense of the things that are happening right now in your own life? Well, maybe you're wondering, can God really forgive me? Guilt and shame can be terrible burdens to carry and can leave us wondering if God really can love us and accept us. Are you wondering if there really is a chance for true happiness in this life? Is there a secret to living a happy, contented life in a world of uncertainty? Well, if you're searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions, we are here to help. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888-456-7933, for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online at our website, BibleStudies.com, or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There's never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. At BibleStudies.com, you'll find answers and guides like Bridge to a Satisfying Life and The Secret of Happiness, answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides as the major themes of the Bible come to life. Now, while you're online, be sure to visit us at VOP.com. At VOP.com, you'll find audio archives of this program, the latest ministry news, and resources to help you dig deeply into God's Word. And did you know that you can listen to this program from your smartphone or tablet? Just search for Voice of Prophecy in your favorite app store. Give us a call at 888-456-7933 or visit us online to begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions and log on today at BibleStudies.com.
0: We are back from the break and we're with Pastor Chris Holland. We are most of the way through Daniel chapter 2 where Nebuchadnezzar in a dream with Daniel interpreting has predicted the rise and fall of world empires from Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, Greece, Rome and with astonishing accuracy centuries in advance, information that nobody could possibly know unless somebody who knows the beginning from the end is telling them. And we left off with the legs of iron in the statue, Pastor Holland, and uh, that was Rome, which trampled all over the world exactly the way the prophecy predicted, and that is not the end of the story, though.
2: It's not the end of the story, and what is very critical now as we bring to this is we have clean breaks with every one of the kingdoms. Babylon is gold. Clean break, Medo-Persia is silver. Clean break, oh, bronze okay. kingdom of Greece. Clean break, Rome, legs of iron. And here's the fascinating thing. Daniel continues the interpretation in Daniel 2.41, and he says, Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the ceramic clay. Here's the fascinating thing. How could of Daniel hundreds and hundreds of years in advance, and by the way, even to the skeptic, Right. Because you and I believe that the book of Daniel was written in the 5th century B.C., sometime around 600 in the mid five uh, right. hundred. Right, that Daniel is actually the author. And Daniel is the author. The skeptics just being—the skeptics say that Daniel wasn't written until 200 B.C. Right, that's how we managed to know all this. So to the skeptic, I simply will say this. Okay, I'll give you that. I don't believe it, but I'll give that to you. Right. Daniel now has predicted that the Roman Empire would not— be conquered, but rather fall apart. And that would not happen until 600 years after 200. Mm-hmm. So even if Daniel were written in 200, which I don't believe it was, right. Daniel is still predicting You're history. still going to have
0: to explain the rest of this. Yes,
2: And so... The the kingdom is divided. The kingdom the kingdom does and so when we look at ancient Rome, that's what we find. Ancient Rome and in the break, you and I were talking a little bit about it. Ancient Rome begins to split up into kingdoms, and those kingdoms begin vying for power, and the Roman Empire simply crumbles.
0: Yeah, the way, it well actually in, in, at first right it splits into two. The Eastern Roman Empire goes on for a little while, yep. but now it focuses on what's happening in the Western Roman Empire, and by 476. It's done. I mean, that's the date most historians place on the
2: collapse of the Roman Empire. And here's the amazing thing. Daniel goes on in verse 43 and he says, as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. So the Roman Empire does not, does not, is not conquered, but the Roman Empire simply divides. Okay. Throughout the course of history, we find many, many trying to reconfigure the Roman Empire. Charlemagne, right. Napoleon, Hitler, all have a goal of simply
0: becoming the new Roman Empire. Uh, right. In the by the time we get to Charlemagne, you know, some seven hundred years after Christ or or roughly, they're actually trying to establish a revival of the Roman Empire. They call him the Holy Roman Emperor. And yes. the idea is, hey, we're going to glue this
2: back together. Mm-hmm. And you have all kinds of things. You have the Duchess of this country marrying the Duke of that country, and and you go look at the family tree of, of the European nations, and you see all this intermingling in an attempt to, to bring right. the, the old Roman Empire together.
1: The uh, Queen Victoria was a prime example of that. If you look at her yep. family tree, just the... the... Human gymnastics that went into trying to manipulate yeah. the outcome of history—it's really fascinating yeah, to see the links the, they went to. She was known as the grandmother, grandmother of, of Europe of, she's related Europe. to every yes,
0: every single yes. head of state. Oh, yeah,
2: and even Napoleon. When Napoleon is defeated, uh, and and I'm not going to get the and you and you may uh, when Napoleon is defeated uh, in his final battle, he he says some kind of words, and I'm not going to get it exactly correct, but he basically says. He says, I have fought against God. Mm -hmm. Napoleon realized he wasn't going to reunite the Roman Empire because God was against him. Right. By the way, this is even in the modern times. In the modern times, there has been an attempt to reunify the old Roman Empire, and I'm not talking about conspiracy kind of stuff, but the euro, a currency, is an attempt to reunite that old Roman Empire, so to speak. But even the euro... Even that has
0: gone bad, right? Greece yeah. ends up in bankruptcy. Some nations won't join. Yep. Other nations join that the EU doesn't want in anymore because they're not fiscally responsible. But even, let's say, you know, Chris, that that, that that really did have a good common currency. That's still not political union.
2: No, there's not political union, and you still have all the nations of Europe. And so Daniel lays out and says, the Roman Empire won't be conquered. The Roman Empire will simply divide. And that's what happens, and history has maintained that division. To this
1: day. uh,
0: They will not adhere to one another is the prediction 2,500 years Mm -hmm. ago. Yes. And for 2,500 years, or let's say since the collapse of the Roman Empire, more than 1,500 years ago, there's been 1,500 years of attempts to reunite these pieces, and it has never, ever succeeded because this line says it's not going to happen.
2: And here's the thing. Even just with that, we could walk away from this prophecy saying, praise the Lord. I have confidence in the Bible, but Daniel doesn't end there. The dream didn't end there. Right. There is one more piece. There is one more piece, and it's a critical piece. Okay, let's go. In verse 44, it says, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and the interpretation is so true. Something that comes that demolishes everything we've seen so far. Yeah. And here's the here's here's the amazing thing about that. It is the very next thing after the division of the Roman Empire.
0: Okay, now that that gives me pause for thought because we are actually living still in that moment of the divided Roman Empire. Those, right. those barbarian tribes grow into the nations of Western Europe. They're still here. The days of these kings includes this moment right now.
2: Yes, and, you know, it, it, it's interesting that the statue—this is now the feet of the statue— And what this is telling us, and and, and, uh, for those that don't like toes, I, I apologize for the analogy, but what this is telling us is that we are actually living in the very toenails of history coming to an end where God is going to set up a kingdom. What's God's kingdom that's coming? What's God's kingdom going to look like? Well, we have this thing, it's a stone cut without hands. Now, that's very important because it is a reference to there is no human manufacturing to what is about to happen. Mm -hmm. It is a God thing, completely a God thing, completely God's kingdom. It's not going to be done through some kind of political finagling. It's going to be God intervening into human history to stop, for lack of a better word, we began the program by talking about all the nonsense happening. He's going to bring it in, bring it to an end. And he's going to bring it to an end with the hurling of this stone cut without hands. Now, the question then is very clear. What is the stone? stone? Mm -hmm. Because
0: this is the only part of Daniel 2 that has not yet happened. I mean, everything else is now complete. Yes. We have seen the entire chapter actually happen over the last 2,500 years, and we've got the stone
2: yet. And so, what is the stone? Well, it is very clear when we turn to the New Testament. When we turn to the New Testament, we have passage after passage that refers to Jesus as the stone. Right. He is the rock of ages. And let's just go to um, now. This is not going to mention Jesus as a stone, but it's the foundation piece of the Book of Revelation. Revelation chapter one and verse three tells us what this event is with the hurling. Of the stone uh it's not verse three uh it is oh, I just lost my place here i'm glad I'm not the only one that yes happens. isn't that, isn't that uh yeah. uh the, I'm looking for the passage that talks about uh when Jesus comes, and all eyes will see him uh it's, one seven uh, verse seven, thank you. Yeah. behold he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him.
0: those are the metals of the statue, all the tribes of the earth all Um, these kingdoms see him coming and they know it's the end it is the
2: end it brings to an end and here is the hope that each of us has those that are listening today it is the hope that we have in that all this political division what political system is best where can i move where do i take refuge God says very simply, You can take refuge with me because my kingdom is coming and my kingdom will last forever. Let's let this sink in for
0: a moment. The tribes of the earth mourn, it's over. And it says in Daniel 2 that God establishes a kingdom with that stone. The verse that's coming to my mind is in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. If we really want to place a time when this happens, it says in Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's Jesus coming yes. in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Jesus is enthroned at the second coming. This is really what we're looking at is the history from Daniel's day to the second coming of Christ.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the second coming of Christ is an event that ushers in a time of perfect, harmonious peace. Uh, one of my favorite authors closes a book off by and, and uses this line, and there will beat one pulse of harmony throughout the universe. Mm. It, it is a beautiful thing because you think about the world in which we live and the word harmony, there's nothing harmonious about where the times in which we live now. Uh, we have ISIS. We have political wrangling and political disruption. We have wars and we have uh, invasions. Uh, And some of the people listening today are are probably wondering how they're going to eat their breakfast or their supper. They don't know where their next thing is going to come from. And here Jesus comes in and says, you can take refuge in the reality that I'm coming again. And when I come again, I'm putting all of this to an end Mm -hmm. and my kingdom will last forever
1: and and it's only then that we will have that stability that permanence that peace that we desire now because we know it's attainable but but not until that time
0: this this is this is good news in a way because in, in if i'm looking at this parade of kingdoms every one of them came with problems every one of them left victims in their wake every one of them is a human experiment in government and god is essentially saying i'll let you have what you want uh, let these kingdoms rise and fall. And by the time Jesus comes, I'm convinced most of the world is like fed up with human government. I think that's where we are right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. When's the stock market going to collapse next? Who's going to invade next? Who's going to fly the next airplane into a tower? What's the next disease that's going to show up on the on the horizon? There's so much uncertainty that it seems like we're getting to this finish line where God says, now you've tried everything in your rebellion against me. You've tried absolutely everything. And now I'm bringing in my kingdom.
1: Yeah. Let me take over. Yeah.
2: You know, as we are flying here, Sean, we flew through Newark, New Jersey, and actually we're able to look at the Freedom Tower built in the place of the Twin Towers. Right. And I don't want to be critical of those who built the Freedom Tower, but here's the reality, Sean. We can do all we want to try to escape the reality of the world that we live in, but here is the prime point of everything we've studied. Only Jesus can bring this to an end. Absolutely. And it's coming, and we're in the toenails of the image.
0: Pastor Chris Holland, thank you so much for joining us on Disclosure and the Voice of Prophecy. What a delight to have you in studio today. And uh, I know that God is blessing your ministry up there in Canada, in the frozen north. But I know that many people are listening to It Is Written Canada. It's probably one of the most successful Christian broadcasts in the world. But I'm just glad you took a few moments Be with us in studio and lead us through this exciting study in Daniel chapter 2. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time.